Want to tell the world about that crappy big-budget flick? Or get people to buy that barely-noticed book or CD that rocked your world? Can't quit talking about pop culture? Then become a blogger at one of the fastest-growing review sites online. PopSyndicate.net Searching for people who want to blog about movies, DVDs, books, comics, anime, music, TV shows, and more. Check it all out at PopSyndicate.net And email the editor for details. PopSyndicate.net Your virtual pit stop for all things pop culture. The following is a KTBR KPSN special presentation. When the world cried out in agony of the horrors of the evil Lord Blandish culture, three men came from a distant land to defend them with their thumbs of fire. Separately, these warriors are known as Mark the Bus, Thomas the Tank, and Dirty Dirty Dustin. But when evil threatens, they raise their hands to the sky and summon the fire to become the Thumbs of Fury. Are you ready? It's Thumb Time! Yay, yay, yay. <laughs> How are they all doing, our fair and loyal listeners? It's Thumbs of Fury, episode 19. Episode 2 of the re- reboot. Yeah. The resurrection. We had a little misfire there in the beginning. Those of you who are uh, not fans of uh, Dirty Dirty Dustin, you'll be happy to know that he is gone today. <laughs> That's probably about half the audience. Yeah, so. he's out getting uh, getting some Botox in certain uh, unspeakable places. <laughs> Have a length- He's having a lengthening procedure. That's... And a widening procedure. <laughs> really weird it is it is but uh you know dustin's a weird guy so uh can't it's really true much about that what can you do uh not a whole lot thomas not a whole lot so uh on so the show what today, we got going on today we got a lot going on uh our old pal f13 is going to stop by and we're going to uh talk about the most recent robocop movie uh we saw that yesterday we did we? we saw it together we held hands we uh, shared one uh thing of popcorn with the hole cut out in the bottom yeah we did do that uh, it was weird because the popcorn kept falling out. It was the weird. It's the first time I think I've been to Cinemark in some time, and, uh, and it's weird because it was actually an AMC. They, oh my bad. <laughs> That's really weird. It's the first time I've been in a non Alamo Draft House in quite or a while. Studio Movie Grill in a long time, and um, they actually it was new to us. They actually had, now have seat re- like seat numbers and stuff, which is yeah. brand new. Because the were... interesting thing about it is the movie the movie theater was maybe a quarter full, maybe less than that, mm-hmm. and yet every row on our seat was every seat on our row was yeah. completely taken. I out. know, and everybody clumped around us. And of course, so weird as is uh, you know part of the course at uh, a non draft house theater, we were surrounded by self regular cell phone checkers who had to check their phones every five minutes, and uh, there was a uh, toddler running around the theater screaming and just shouting questions at her mother. And is a toddler need to be and I'll I'll pose that question later when we're talking about the show but just it seemed like a inappropriate movie for a toddler to yeah, be at in the first totally. place totally I'm not sure what the rating was on it PG-13 there's which, some uh, things in it that obviously are not yeah six-year-old capable which uh I, yeah I definitely want to talk about when we get to the review sure uh we're also going to we're not to cover justified this week uh because uh the way we're recording this but we'll talk about it next week uh but we have a true detective and we've got walking dead and I think Thomas is going to rage flip this table when we talk about House of Cards. House of Cards, yeah. Definitely. So ready to get into it? 
Yeah, let's do it. I think we also have a, a special game. Oh, with, yeah. Uh, ra- uh, yeah. Rage 13 with uh, <laughs> F13. Yeah, with, uh, with uh, Rage 13 is going to be bringing us the Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> game. I'm not exactly sure what this entails we for us. We don't know but, uh, much about it other than that, which no. might be fun. Might be fun if we have no idea yeah, how to play it. We might be total so. failures, so... It, it could that could be fun too though indeed so, so let's you, get into it if you don't like dustin here we go you are listening to thumbs if you rate does your thumb burn with opinions call and share them at four six nine six six five nine eight two seven hey kids it's me f13 from cinema diabolica We have a new show called Diabolical Decades. If you haven't been listening to it, this is the kind of gold that you've been missing. Ah, I see. I imagine Jimmy Stewart to have soft hands. But I would have been like, she would gotta go. Oh, thank God. It's just the face of Satan. I thought it was a prowler. Check us out at popsyndicate.net slash cinemadiabolica. of a technological revolution. We need to give Americans a figure they can rally behind. Give your mom a kiss. My baby. Too slow, boy. We're gonna put a man inside a machine. He suffered fourth degree burns over 80% of his body. If he survives, he'll be paralyzed from the waist down, confined to a wheelchair. You say you can save him, but what does that mean? What kind of life will he have? What kind of suit is this? It's not a suit, it's you. What the hell did you do to me? Make him work. Tactical, make him look, uh, let's go with black. When the machine fights, the system releases signals into Alex's brain, making him think he's in control. But he's not. It's the illusion of free will. I've selected 13 targets, all wanted for murder. This is the future of American justice. Ah! You need to speak to your son. He's overriding the system's priorities. The human element will always be present. Compassion, fear, instinct. They will always interfere with the system. Better alive. You're coming with me. So Robocop 2014, the remake of the original 1987 film from uh, Paul Verhoeven and starring Peter Weller. This one is uh, by uh, Jose Padilla, who it was his first English film after doing Elite Squad and Elite Squad 2 in Brazil, I think it was. And originally, this film had, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, Darren Aronofsky was originally attached to this movie back in 2005. And unfortunately, uh, he left and, uh, you know, Jose Padilla came on with uh, much accolade and decided to do this remake with um, Joel Kinnaman starring in the Peter Weller role and uh, Michael K. Williamson taking over as Lewis. Unfortunately... 
and a uh, very very different film than the original 1987 film uh some ways in some very very frustrating ways so let's welcome to the show f13 that's right uh, our old pal f13 uh frequent contributor to the break room is here to uh, also talk about robocop with us hey hey thanks for coming on uh, i understood uh, you took in this film this weekend uh today actually oh today oh wow look at you fancy pants with the fancy day off here on president's day did you how did you celebrate uh, our forefathers <laughs> I watched RoboCop and then regretted watching RoboCop. <laughs> Did you wear a powdered pig, uh, wig whilst doing it? Or? No, I wore a powdered pig, actually. Oh, a powdered a- pig. Okay, lovely. Weird. So would you say you were one of the few people in the theater? Uh, I was the only person in the theater. Are you but, kidding me? Uh, no, I'm not. There was, uh, <laughs> okay. there was, it was just myself and one other person that left halfway through. But <laughs> was, that, I, uh, was, that M- was that M13? <laughs> no, she was, uh, she was at work. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah, our, uh, our theater was, uh, sparsely populated as well. Um, originally when I bought tickets, there were all of two other people. And then when we actually got there, there was maybe 15 other people, 20. Yeah, sure. In, in a giant theater. So the movie didn't do well, uh, cost a hundred million to make, made uh, 25 million, I think over the weekend, although it did make 70 million overseas. So it's almost back to its original budget, it, but they'll, uh, they'll make the budget and then some, but yeah, well, it has yet, to, has yet but, to open in, in uh, China and Japan, I believe, which so. it will do. I, I, I'm just going to predict it does pretty well over there, which means we'll probably get a RoboCop too. Can't wait. Yay. <laughs> Huzzah. <laughs> Maybe they'll get, uh, what's his name to get back for the, for the next one. Peter Weller. Yeah, no, I'm no, uh, Arnofsky, who was it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Peter Weller. Grandpa cop. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> That would be kind of awesome. It's is, a good thing there's only a head and a couple of lungs <laughs> left because he's yeah. way too old so, to do anything realistic. I will say that that's one of the few things I appreciated about this movie was uh, the depiction of the actual assembly of RoboCop and that, you know, they sh- they really went into show a little more graphic detail, um, unlike the original. I did appreciate that. I appreciated, uh, you know, certain little design elements here and there. Uh, but that's one of the few things I appreciated about this movie. And the more I sat on this movie in the last uh, 24 hours... The more it has pissed me off. The worse it got. The worse yeah. it got. I will say yeah. that I left the theater uh, and immediately called uh, Patrick the Tank, who had seen it Friday night, I believe. And his tweet soon after seeing it was, I got drunk to go see RoboCop and wasn't near drunk enough. <laughs> so I got on the phone with him, and I didn't hate it at first. Uh, I didn't either at and first. I, then I meant... Then I felt the need to, as I always do with my brother, who tends to be a little bit overpassionate about movies, get real defensive of the movie, and now... This morning I told him I may have gotten defensive and <laughs> and uh, not a good situation. So yeah, the more it sat with me, the more I'm like, man, that really wasn't any good. So what do you think, F13? What, what was your take on the film? Uh, well, the first thing that you have to note about the movie is that uh, the all the obviously paid bloggers who've been saying uh, don't uh, you know don't judge it based on the previous movie. It's a standalone movie. This isn't a remake. It's a reimagining, meaning they're taking the same idea. And making a new movie. Right. Sure. And I'm like, okay, you know, I have no problem with that. If that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. For but in, you can't. For instance, I, I will say that one of the things that I changed that I actually was okay with was reflecting modern politics. They focused less on um, the unchecked corporate greed that was prevalent in the first one. And they focused right. more on American imperialism. I was okay with that change because that's yeah, part of our current and, culture. Right. And on its, on its own, that's fine. But it's... It, it it kind of confused me, and as someone who's who loves that first movie, it's very very high. Uh, the, the first RoboCop, the only real RoboCop, ranks very highly with me. 
Um, so it's just hard for me to completely divorce myself from the the former because I mean they keep harkening back to it. They used the old RoboCop music in the beginning. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. they had the Ed Two Hundred Nine uh, units in the movie as well. Uh, they're just they, they keep harkening back to the old movie, but then in the same breath they're also saying, "Don't judge us on that. Stand alone. It's standalone." And I, I didn't. I just didn't see it. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, for me, the first point that uh, really that I really soured on was the fact that the original film, um, for lack of a better term, was a black comedy. It was a satire, and right. um, it was it was a commentary on violence in society and how uh, how bad violence on on screen media has become. And this was in 1987. It was preaching about that through its own over the top violence, and it was a satire and a commentary on that. Ironically, in our modern culture. Violence has become so far and beyond what we've seen Embedded. in the original Robocop. Yeah. And that commentary is just now, I feel, lost on modern society. Those of us who grew up with that movie and, 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 and appreciate that, I think it's completely lost the fact that we're so upfront or worried about nudity, but violence is just a complete uh, afterthought and a wash as far as what we should be concerned with. And that right. was completely lost on this movie. There was no, there was very little comedy in this movie. What there was was Sam Jackson and his Bill O'Reilly right wing esque figure. That was funny, and I appreciated that. Um, but that's really the only comedy in this movie. Right. It's a little interesting you bring up the <clears throat> the violence as an afterthought. Uh, it is a little crazy how we can be so crazy. Well, I say we, but they can be so crazy about movie ratings if there's any inference of nudity uh-huh. any nudity whatsoever and yet they have a child get blasted away at the very in the first five minutes yeah. well, and, and that doesn't really seem like know, it was okay so the original robocop was originally rated x really because of violence i didn't know that. and they eventually cut it down to uh got it to a rated r and I, I watched it right before we went and saw this yesterday and the two can't even compare there's so much more violence in this one than the original now less sure. blood but more violence yeah and you know, uh, they they are they are so far beyond um, relevancy in these days because they they took Philomena, a movie about a a woman who is looking for the son that she gave up for adoption. You know, in her early twenties, I think it was or late teens, and she says, or someone in the movie says the f word one time in that movie, and as a result, it gets an R rating. But yet, this movie with its over the top violence and child killing and uh, this, that, and the other gets a PG thirteen rating. Right. And it, it's it's a really quite it's it's ironic when you compare it to the original. And it's quite the dichotomy. It is, and you know what I noticed as well. It's kind of the same thing. Now you remember in the film the the scene where they have the uh, where the RoboCop is uh, going up against the other drones and uh, Jackie Earl Haley's character for the first time in the warehouse. Right. Yes. Now during that uh, scene, the music in the background was a song called Hocus Pocus by Norwegian supergroup Focus. <laughs> And uh, wow, it normally I, yeah, it, it becomes evident <laughs> sure. why, why I know that in a moment. OK, here. OK. Uh, but the, <laughs> it's interesting to me. Normally in, in other films, what would have been used there is uh, a garbage new metal song like Click, Click, Boom. It's a good point, actually. Yeah, right. But they didn't do that. They went with this completely ridiculous yodeling Norwegian classic rock, hard rocking flute combo band. Now, why is the question if I, I think it's obviously to do and, and that's kind of the commentary I had about about uh, the fact that Michael Williams, Jackie Earl Haley, Samuel Jackson, Michael Keaton, Gary Oldman, all of these people are in this movie, but they all feel tacked on. Yeah, those yeah. roles weren't necessarily written for them and they don't necessarily bring anything special to the roles themselves. Yeah. No. 
It's just like they put them there as to have names. And so it feels to me like, and this is what I'm thinking of while I'm watching this scene. It seems to me that they picked this song because it's kind of like a rib poking, you know, to those in the know, like, oh, hey, look, it's that ridiculous song from YouTube. But it was really distracting. And I, I think that if they had just used click, click, boom, it, I would have just, you know, it would have gone into the background and I wouldn't have even thought about it. But this choice was really distracting. And it kind of it, it harkens back to what you were saying about the violence. We have reached a point in our society where the violence has become the norm and it's not even given a second thought. What's really concerning is nudity and, you know, other kind of subversive things. And, and for a movie that originally in 87 was trying to provoke commentary, this movie, it seems like it went out of its way to not to avoid commentary yeah. and to avoid and to avoid any anything like that. Yeah. That, well, I feel like they could like there was small bits where they could have done that, like you know the child getting blown away at the beginning. But it's like, right? They yeah, there was which a was little never, snippet of it, but they yeah. never ever like addressed it. Like at in all. normal society, if that had been seen on TV, would have been would society have been, been would have been an uproar. Even yeah, that absolutely. society. Now, if you had taken let's let's go back to the original again. Um, the other thing they, they didn't do in this movie was the original 1987 Detroit, much like it is in today's society, was a dystopia. Now, we're not quite to escape from New York in, in modern day society, but right. the Detroit of 1987, a future Detroit 1987, was a, a, an escape from New York almost uh, type dystopia. And they didn't do that here. Uh, Detroit looked like San Francisco for the most part. And so they avoided another chance to provoke commentary about modern day Detroit. Well, they could obviously say that, that, that this, that, I mean, they could point to that very thing about this is different than well, sure. the original. I understand, but at the same time, they they had they had a chance to provoke commentary about the state of that city sure. and something we've seen as far back as 2008 on no reservations, leading up to the fact that it's still just as bad these days and has not improved. Sure. They could have sent that farther down the tracks and said, "What would it be like in in 18, 20 years?" And they didn't do that. And but that's they didn't another even touch it. You're right. They didn't even touch it. It's like no, it has become a garden of prosperity. And everything is clean and beautiful. Well, they didn't say that. And, and, the and implication. The, the whole thing, again, about RoboCop was he was this vigilante against extreme crime. And there was no extreme crime in the city. That's the, that's the other thing is, and the uh, Samuel L. Fox News hyped up program just kept hammering away, like, how no more cops have to die. And yet we're right. not seeing anything yeah. where... In the original, we saw... Other than, Murphy, other than the two cops that are kind of in the main yeah. piece, we're not seeing like extreme cop violence yeah. and cops dying. We saw everywhere. something you'd see on another procedural. Yeah. And in the original, again, going back to the original Robocop, the everyday cop is wearing body armor, you know, their entire right. shift. Cops are dying left and right. And we got none of that in this movie. And it's yeah. like, you're completely missing the point. Yeah. Uh, it, right. it was that's, very frustrating. That's kind of what I felt. The, the, the original movie had lots of really rich characterization. The characters were extremely well written. Yeah. The character of Clarence Boddicker today, to this day, is in my top 10 of best villains of all time. Yeah. Now, something I noticed about, and this, this speaks directly to what you're saying here, Mark, is that this movie, for 75, and I checked, 75 minutes in, nothing happens. For the first 75 minutes of this movie, Nothing really happens. It just yeah. kind of futzes about for 75 minutes. Yeah. The, the story really starts and pr- progresses uh, at the, uh, the uh, oh, what is it called? The, uh, the scene where they're, they're uploading all the, uh, and oh, God, I got a lot to say about that too, but where they're uploading all the, the case <laughs> files into his brain. Right? Yeah. And it's like, I, I, just as a quick aside, really? 
for, he says downloading, but you'd be uploading. You're sending <laughs> files in. You're uploading. It's awesome. And on top of that, we can create a human-robot hybrid, but we can't figure out how to just connect his brain to some sort of file cloud and not have to upload files. Give him a, <laughs> give him, perhaps give him a bigger buffer or, yeah. Right. They don't, I don't have, understand they don't have why clouds we're uploading in the future. files. Oh. Yeah. He's got I, like a Western digital uh, hard drive <laughs> in his brain. So, like, <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> Uh, but yes, yeah, seventy-five minutes in, nothing has happened until that. Yeah, point. there there was entirely like um, for that for a movie that was trying to give you more of the human connection with RoboCop. They they spent entirely too much time on the human connection with RoboCop. I mean, we, <laughs> hey. the guy. First of all, Joel Kinnaman sounds like uh, a poor man's Channing Tatum. He like the his yeah. his accent. He sounds like a poor man's Channing Tatum. The guy, he just it's just not good. It's like every predictable emotional point that you could hit the story hit it and we spent too right. much time as murphy and we didn't and, and i had this complaint about the uh, first robocop as well is that uh we didn't spend enough time with robocop just on the street seeing him take the uh, daily tasks you know um that was I, the one minor flaw in the first one and uh and another flaw with this one is we don't see the robocop just doing the daily duties um i think that might have been in the original robocop i think that might have been due to budgetary concerns is okay. like filming the robocop scenes were pretty expensive right so i think they just had to pare it down to the essentials and in the new one they don't have any excuse for true. that because it's all cg so right. i mean it doesn't really cost much <clears throat> yeah it's true uh and you know like you said the characters like characters like lewis was tacked on i don't know why they changed they had a good opportunity to uh with this one in the first one they made lewis a lewis was a female made a strong not the best uh, actress, um, but, uh, you know, made a strong statement as a female officer that could still uh, kick butt and take names. And they didn't do that with Michael K. Williams. They did, there was no reason to change it to a man. They had a, a good chance to change this to another female officer and make a stronger statement. Again, avoid commentary there. Um, right. And it was kind of distracting as well to have Michael K. Williams in that role, but not really doing anything or yeah, even yeah. acting all that much. He just like got shot. seeing him going, ooh, it's Omar, but. He's not doing anything. Yeah. That was about it. <laughs> and and there's a ma- again a major plot hole with him. That, that at one point he's being faced down by the Ed 209s, and then you know two seconds later he's sh- showing up, uh, shooting Jackie up, Earl Haley's yeah, character, backing up a RoboCop. <laughs> yeah, and that didn't make any sense. There's no explanation for that. Um, I would say for me this film is so flat. Um, it's not as bad as uh, Total Recall, for instance, no. uh, as far as remakes go. But uh, wow, uh, two thumbs. Uh, one thumb strongly down, one thumb sideways because I appreciated the action choreography. Yeah, and there were certain things I appreciated about it, but yeah, that's one- the other thing. The one thing, the two things I liked about it were the showing of what was actually left of him. I thought that was good and jarring, and that was mm-hmm. the best. Agreed. And the second was that there wasn't a moment in the CG that I thought I was taken out of it because I right. thought the CG was bad. Yes. the CG was really really good, but those are not good enough yeah. things to be a good movie <laughs> so what's your thumb rating uh one down and one sideways it was pretty bad f13 uh i'm gonna say this the bottom line is that the original robocop is as far from a perfect film definitely has its flaws but it is incredibly enjoyable has really well written characters and great subtle commentaries on uh was of the fascism corporatism urban decay that all, all the stuff that we you, you were talking about earlier marcus right this remake spends three quarters of its runtime futzing about with inconsequential nothingness and then the entirety of the actual story is encapsulated in maybe 30 minutes. And then there's absolutely no resolution at the end of the movie. Oh, it God. just stops. The climax and, and uh, you know, not to add too much more to this, but uh, the climax in this movie is so underwhelming. And then uh, the uh, denouement uh, after that is uh, you don't even get the normal uh, here comes Robocop back to, to uh, kick butt and take names. Right. It's just uh, oh, we're going to slowly uh, slide a garage door over him. 
uh, and you barely get a fuzzy view of him. And I hate to be a common man viewer. I want to see more of that, but that's what I want to see in that type of movie. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. At least him back on the streets or back something. Back on the streets, yeah. You got like a cell phone video of Samuel L. talking and seeing him walking through yeah. a building. Like, yeah, something. Something. So what's your uh, thumb rating there, F-13? Uh, the same as both of you. Uh, strongly down and strongly to the side because what little action there was was pretty good. I actually liked the re uh, the reimagining of the RoboCop look. I liked the updating of the Ed 209s. Um, for that last 30 minutes of the film, I was kind of engaged for a moment there. Yeah. Yeah. But not too many moments. Yeah. Not enough to not, yeah, to, yeah. yeah down and to the side. Well, let's hope, Much uh, like back into the left. I wish they had shot me in the head rather than <laughs> watching this film. Well, let's hope with RoboCop 2B that uh, we get a little bit stronger monster out of the gate. Grandpa Cop, I'm calling it now. Here's hoping. <laughs> All right, well, let's play a little game show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for everyone's favorite game show. It's Rotten Tomatoes Quiz Time! <laughs> <laughs> thank you f13 <laughs> thank you for that awesome. take it away to our host f13 all right i'm glad you liked the intro there so the idea here is that uh we're going to be going over some movies on rotten tomatoes and they're going to be you the game players will be guessing if they're rotten or fresh and then what you think their score is and do we earn points or is there a victor in this or are we just uh exposing the can earn points and there will be a victor unless there is a tie in which case i didn't write that much logic into how to break the tie so there will forever be a tie that'll be for the second edition <laughs> there you go yeah we'll follow it up the revenging all right the re- yes okay so do we need to like uh, yell out our name or something to uh or do we just uh, no, you do both we just are answering it oh, okay all right how many uh how many questions do we have here i got 10 all right sounds good sweet nice even number uh, very conducive to a tie <laughs> Nice. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get on with this game then. Take it away. F thirteen. So uh, the first film and the uh, uh, the uh, theme that I got for uh, for this one is uh, sci fi films that are underrated and that people should be enjoying. Uh, according to and what illegitimate list site was uh, whatculture dot com. So uh, I have nothing. I have awesome. no investment in this list. I just pulled it. All right. Awesome. We can destroy it then. All right. So number ten, Pitch Black. 2000, starring everyone's favorite meathead, uh, Vin Diesel. So we're uh, supposed to guess whether it's fresh or rotten? Rotten. Yeah, and uh, what the score was. Uh, I'm going to say rotten at about 40%. All right, Mark says rotten. Thomas? Rotten at 53%. At 53%. At, uh, Mark, what did you say for? I said rotten at 40%. At 53, Thomas get, uh, gets it at 57%. Ooh. I knew it was something in that area. I'm huge Chronicles of Riddick, Pitch Black lover. I still haven't seen anything past the original. I love the original. I liked I Chronicles of Riddick. The newest one was pretty bad. I, I liked how the, the original was, bad. again, maybe they should have stuck with this, but the original was so simple. It was such a simple premise, done really well. But, uh, wow, surprising. It's really... That yeah, surprising was this lower, is actually. this is underrated sci-fi movies is what These it are, is. According to this person, I'm it's taking awesome. no responsibility. <laughs> okay, it's awesome. All Pitch right. Black is definitely really good. I love that one. It's very uncommon for a uh, sci- any series, but a sci-fi series especially to like change genres in the middle of it. It's still sci-fi, but yeah. it went from like almost a horror esque sci-fi yeah, to horror sci-fi yeah. straight action. Right. Anyway. And I, li- I like that as well because uh, there's other there's other uh, uh, movie genre, not genres but uh, franchises that really lost me after the second one because sure. it's just more of the same. Yep. 
So, all right, uh, number nine, and uh, this is our first uh, tear apart this list uh, entry. Uh, <laughs> THX eleven thirty eight. Oh no! You know that's yeah. uh, that's a movie I still have not seen. I was just about to say like the same a, thing. So, a bad nerd. We're geared um, up to win this one. <laughs> I'm going to say, as an indie film from a relatively unknown director, I'm going to say it was probably. Uh, let's go with sixty eight percent fresh. I'm going to go fresh with seventy two percent. All right, Thomas takes it again with fresh at eighty-eight percent. Wow, wow. That's how crazy. is it that high? We really have got. To yeah, see we that. do need to see. That. <laughs> I know. They also, I want to say that I'm using the tomato meter here. This is just the overall tomato meter. Right. This yeah, isn't the audience, sure. and this isn't the critics. This is just the overall conglomerate. Oh, I didn't uh, even know that was a thing. Interesting. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I'm not surprised. I'm surprised it's as high as it is, but uh, I guess it's probably rated. Is it rated more? I, I mean, you probably don't know this, but is it rated more in hindsight with uh, modern day reviewers with the re-release back in uh, probably five or six years ago, or is it rated from the original review? I guess you probably don't know uh, that. I do know that this oh. is uh, oh, this is uh, overall conglomerative over all time, okay. and that's an interesting thing that uh, uh, DZ and I talked about on our show uh, Cinema Diabolica. You can hear it at cinemadiabolica.com. Uh, <laughs> We're doing a, a show called Diabolical Decades right now where we go back through the decades and cover films. And I was going to do uh, lists of most popular cult films, but DZ brought up a good point. What does popular mean and yeah, what right. does cult mean? Because over time, a movie technically loses its cult status. Like uh, uh, Evil Dead is, in my opinion, no longer a cult film. It's far too, uh, too huge to, right. ca- to categorize. When the that. film gets a remake, uh, it's not really a cult film right. anymore. You've lost your cult status. Right. All right, moving along. Uh, let's check in at number nine. Uh, okay, we've. Or sorry, number eight. That was number nine. Number yeah. eight, Galaxy Quest. Oh, uh, I actually really enjoyed that movie. I haven't seen it in forever, but uh, I'm going to say uh, f- fresh at uh, 73%. Who is in that? I don't even Tim know. Tim Allen. Uh, oh, like from the mid 90s? Yes. yes. Oh my 1999. god! You know what? I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna revise mine. I'm gonna say fresh, but more like 62. percent I'm gonna say rotten at 55. percent Oh, fresh at 89. percent Marcus, jeez. Wow, 89. percent I uh, yeah. That's I would surprising. not guess that either. No, no. Um, but from what I remember, a really good film because it was a nice little commentary on nerd society. It starred Alan Rickman too, and you know his stock is going through the roof. True, true. Wow, 89%. That's crazy. I need to go back and watch that. I need that to now. watch that for the first time. I'm surprised that movie never got a sequel. But maybe. Uh, yeah, you know what? That is kind of odd that they never put it. Oh, 1999. It was a weird time. Yeah, that was around Lost in Space. I mean, was it and... successful? It can be really high on this scale and not have been a success. True. That's, that's a good point. That's an excellent point, Thomas. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that is an excellent point. <laughs> so, uh, uh, to number... <laughs> where uh, Thomas is taking the lead, uh, we're at uh, two to one here right now. You, you... That's correct. You just got a score. I was already in the lead. I know. We're, okay. Uh, number seven, uh, 2005's The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I was just about to ask if that one was in there. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say uh, Rotten at uh, 34%. Okay. And before you, before you give an, an official answer, remember, this does star Zoe Deschanel. You're right. Uh, uh, rotten at 35%. <laughs> one what was yours, Thomas? Rotten at 35%. Right. And that was okay. 34. Marcus? Right at 34. Okay, I guess that technically means that uh, Thomas <laughs> wins it. It is fresh at 60%. Oh, wow. That's pretty decent. I liked I, it okay. I d- actually didn't see it. I oh. was guess- I, here, my, my whole criteria was uh, based on the fact the, uh, the number of Hitchhikers uh, diehards out there and how much I'd heard it was panned by those same diehards. It's, uh, it 
It's the dude that played uh, Martin Freeman. Bilbo, yeah. 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 It's Martin Freeman, Most Deaf, Zoe Deschanel, Alan Rickman, Sam Rockwell, and Warwick Davis. That was before Zoe Deschanel reached her annoying uh, threshold. Wait a minute. Did you say Warwick Davis? Yeah. Warwick Davis was Marvin the Paranoid Android. That's hilarious. I did not know that. Yeah. Interesting. It's only he's only the guy in the suit. Okay. His voice he wasn't actually talking. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Yeah, I think this one's a high score. It comes from people who are not uh hikers and who just saw the movie and uh were like, oh, I like all these actors. It wasn't that bad. Sure, That's why awesome. not? That's awesome. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was before uh I used to like Zoe Deschanel as well. Like when she was in Weeds, she was really funny. And then she right. got to this, I don't know, the whole thing that started with the Siri and the whatnot, and now she's wearing New Girl, and she's wearing glasses Trust without me. frames, and I'm I like, I loved uh, her please, before New away. Girl, and that show has completely disenchanted me with her. I haven't seen one episode of that. I've only seen the trailers, and I want to punch everybody the in The dudes show. are awesome yeah. in that show, but right. she's terrible. Yeah. All right. Well, moving M13 on. M13 is a big fan of Zoe Deschanel. I've hated her ever since, <laughs> uh, what is the, Summers, 20-something, thing about Summers. 500 Summers? 500 summers i've hated her since that and uh, i hate her in the new girl and uh, i think that's just gonna be it i think she's she's, pretty uh, terrible in the new girl 500 days of summer by the way yeah whatever (laughs) something like that 500 summers is a little longer (laughs) (laughs) stainless summer says you (laughs) it just feels like 500 summers Yeah, it felt like 500 years watching that movie. I, uh, I rolled over a few times and tried to smother myself in the couch cushions. <laughs> then you just got turned on. Moving right along, number six, uh, Titan AE. Love that movie. Um, see, I, I never saw this. Really? This, uh, this was a Don Bluth movie, wasn't it? This not? is, I will forever this say, this is Jerry the Gold. greatest animated sci-fi movie I've ever seen. Uh, I, I actually have never seen this. I haven't, and I've never seen it. It's a Joss Whedon uh, car- uh, oh, vehicle, really? so wow. you'd probably like it. I would probably pop a bonus. It's greatness. For Got a good cast. Um, but I'm going to say uh, 59% uh, fresh. I'm going right. to say 62% fresh. All right. Uh, t- uh, Marcus is taking it. Uh, rotten 52%. <sighs> Sucks, man. That movie's so good. 3 to 2 Thomas. All righty. That, that that is a shame. I uh, I really wanted to like this movie, uh, but I saw so much bad review and it just went away so quickly that yeah. I never watched it. I agree. It wasn't really well received. Now that I think about it, and I didn't watch it when it came out. It was like years right. later. So well, that technically makes for the best cult films, the ones that flopped miserably You're and right. then got its own cult of people who really can appreciate You're it. Right. It was like uh, you know, not that the Firefly wasn't already a cult uh, thing of its own, but Serenity came out and it was like flopped, and then now it's come back and it's major DVD sales all these and, years and later. And it shows every year at a lot of theaters. Yeah, it shows and stuff. every year. Yeah. yeah, same thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it basically just it all that does is uh, bolster the uh, thousand loyal fans theory that yeah. you don't need huge blockbusters with millions spent on advertising. All yeah, you need is true. a thousand loyal fans. <laughs> yeah. That's true. And a few years. <laughs> yeah, and a few years to get the, the hurt behind you. Yeah. All right, uh, moving along to number five, Videodrome. 1983, Ooh, I don't, directed by Dave I've never seen this movie. Uh, I'm it's not on sure the, I've even heard of it's it. It's on the list of things to watch. Uh, so I'm just going to... Uh, what did you say this was? Was this 85? 83. 83. Was this before or after The Fly? Uh, this was before The Fly. Before uh, the, fly. Uh, the Fly was 85, if I'm okay. not mistaken. This movie uh, stars James Woods and Debbie Harry. Oof. I'm going to go with... Uh, well, actually, Thomas, you go first. I was this. about to ask you if you'd like me... I'm going to go with uh, crap. What's the opposite of fresh? Sour? Rotten. 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 
It's the name I of mean, the song. In the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's in the name. Awesome. Sour I'm going to go with Rotten at 52. Uh, I will go with, uh, let's go with uh, Fresh at 61. Uh, Thomas, uh, I mean, sorry, Marcus is going to take it fresh at 80%. Woo-hoo. Jeez, man. And that's very high. For someone who, you know, an insider and all this, that seems very high to me. Uh, Videodrome is not the kind of movie that I would have guessed would have gotten such a high rating. I think it has to do with just the the crazy visuals at the time gave it a high rating. And then the nostalgia and, uh, you know, horror and or genre film hipsters that all they all uh, cite Videodrome as one of like the big classics, just like uh, uh, your modern day music dorks that don't actually listen to James Brown, but always <laughs> cite awesome. him as one of the big uh, influences. Yeah, I do. I do wonder how many of these films, especially these classics that are benefiting from latter day reviews. Uh, and like you say, speaking to the history of uh, such things that are that are skewing the score. But anyways, <laughs> moving on. Uh- yeah, moving on to 1998's Dark City, starring Rufus Sewell and Kiefer Sutherland. Good one. The Matrix um, before The Matrix. Ma- yeah, well, and yes. Equilibrium also before The Matrix. I'm sorry, what year did you say it was? Dark City was 1998. Okay. So 99 was The Matrix, and I Equilibrium was 90, was that 98 as well? I think that was 2000 or 2001. Or was, that, or was that after? I'm pretty I sure. I thought that was before as well. No, no. Equilibrium uh, was definitely after. Okay. Um, go ahead, Thompson. I'll go. Sucks because I really like that movie, and I have no concept. Let's go with uh, Fresh at seventy-two. I will say Rotten at forty-seven. Thomas takes it fresh at seventy-four percent. Man, that's better than I'd hoped. And that's one that I feel is definitely a cult film that uh, super gained good. steam after. Yeah, after most people are not going to recognize the name Dark City, but it definitely was one of my favorite films that came out in that time period. Because not only did it have that all that Matrixy stuff, because I didn't see it when it came out, I didn't even see it until after the Matrix. Yeah, me but too. Uh, it was yeah, I saw it and I, I liked it tons more. Not just because of Kiefer Sutherland and Jennifer Connelly, no, no, but also because of the huge like hole in the not a, pl- a hole in the plot, but that you never fully find out what had happened. Yes. It just gives you this is what's happening right now yes. and this is where we're at and that's it. It doesn't it doesn't give you the backstory of how you got to that point for sure. Right. It doesn't explain the hell out of it so you end up going, oh, "Okay, I I get it. Thank you." It's pretty awesome. I'll say. Uh right, moving along to number 3, Heavy Metal. I've never seen Heavy Metal. Me either. I've seen the magazine flip through it a few times but never seen uh there's two Heavy Metals, right? There's a uh, there's Heavy Metal 2000, yeah, heavy but we're metal, talking yeah. about Heavy Metal 1981. Based with, on that, uh, since I've never seen it, uh, wow. Uh, I'll go with uh, Rotten at 49%. I will go Fresh at uh, 78%. Uh, that would be Thomas taking it. Rotten at 58%. Phew. Yeah, not one I'm familiar with, so. Have you seen it, F13? I have, actually. Uh, I've, had, I've seen it, like, I think, two to three times. Um, it's, uh, well, like it says on, uh, heavy, on the, uh, Rotten Tomatoes page, it's sexist, juvenile, and dated, uh, but it makes up for its flaws with eye-popping animation. And it really doesn't. The animation is not (laughs) eye-popping. It's very, very hokey looking, but it's, I don't know, it's one of those things that you won't, uh, you won't appreciate unless you were a fan of the, uh, Frank Frazetta art style of, uh, the, you know, Conan books or that old style sci-fi fantasy. Oh yeah. Otherwise it comes across as incredibly hokey. (laughs) All right. All right, so moving right along. Let's see how many we have left here. We have two left. Number two, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Ooh, uh, wow. Love the original Mad Max. Haven't seen two or three since I was uh, a wee tot because uh, I just didn't care. Um, 
<laughs> I'm gonna have to say rotten at probably forty three percent. I'll say rotten at forty four percent. Bastard. <laughs> well, he got you again. It's fresh at eighty one percent. Wow! wow. He's gonna take it. How's that possible? One point closer. You know, say, oh, come on. Scott Thunderdome had uh, had that. That's the is that uh, Tina the Turner one? Yeah, it's with Tina Turner. Yeah, awesome. Well, it did have the benefit of the uh, Tina Turner song, so I guess perhaps mm-hmm. that lent some credibility and there nostalgia aspects. All right, well, let's come down to where we're. Uh, I think Thomas is firmly going to take this game because uh, he's leading at six to three. But let's go with that last question. Uh, the last question uh, worth ten points um, <laughs> is uh, <laughs> "Strange Days." Oh, I don't know this one. Where? When was that made? Uh, 1995, starring Ralph Fiennes and Angela Bassett. I know Strange Brew. I don't know Strange Days. Ralph Fiennes? 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 I've never even heard of this. This is a sci-fi movie? It is a sci-fi movie. What's it about? Do you uh, want to hear the uh, set in Los Angeles two days before the end of 1999? Strange Days introduces us to Lenny Nero, an ex-cop turned sleazy hustler who hawks the newest underground thrill on the black market. A squid headpiece that allows one to transmit digital recordings of other people's thoughts, feelings, and memories into their brain. Wow. Huh. Well, that's certainly a movie. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with... Would you like uh, to go second since you're behind? So you can sure. go one on the yeah, other yeah, side go of for me? It. I'm going to go with uh, Rotten at 42%. I'm going to go Rotten at 19%. And Thomas takes it fresh <laughs> at 63%. Wow. <laughs> well, let's find out what Thomas won. V6 Coupe Deluxe. Distinctive muscle car styling along with air conditioning and a 4.0 liter V6 engine make this car a blast to drive. Plus 16-inch cast aluminum wheels and 5-speed automatic transmission. The Ford Mustang. A terrific prize worth $20,555. You play golf? Awesome. You won a lot, Thomas. Way to go. You won a new 1983 Mustang? Did you poop in your pants? (laughs) I can if need be. (laughs) He can poop on command. I'm going to request that you do. Thank you. <laughs> well, that was pretty yeah, awesome. That was, uh, that was the uh, the game I came up with. There. I like that game. Uh, it definitely would have been better if I had uh, come up with a better list of movies. No, no, no. no. I, I think that was, it was uh, right in our wheelhouse uh, somewhat. <laughs> I'm sure we had seen some of these titles, but uh, yeah, no, I, I like the game. I think we uh, we need to have this more often. I I think this is going to be a staple on Thumbs of Fury. That was pretty fun. Yeah, way to go. Uh, it'll be nice. We're going to have you back for uh, the break room, episode 201, where we'll be talking about uh, supposedly the secret fears of all men from uh, Cosmopolitan magazine. So we'll see how that goes. How? I guess it's, it's a thing. <laughs> so we'll be discussing that. Uh, that episode comes out uh, this Friday on uh, breakroom.tv. And then uh, on the other side of the break? We're going to be talking uh, our regular TV shows. That'll be True Detective, Walking Dead, and House of Cards. No Justified this week. That's what I love about these Thumbs of Fury guys, man. I get older. They stay the same age. Ah ha 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 ha. Cinema's been around for over a hundred years. Its history is long and varied. Each film has a story to tell, and the 15-minute movie podcast covers the history of cinema through the actors, writers, directors, producers, and themes. 
Each episode, you'll find out about the history of movies in just 15 minutes. Go to 15mmp.com or check it out on Stitcher, iTunes, or Miro. Every Sunday morning, the Hobo Shack rips the internet a new hole. My oh, yo cousin off the homeless porn. It's like Bukaki times a hundred. I love Katy Perry and Kesha. I love the taste of human. <laughs> you got kicked Indians out. You can do whatever you want. Come watch these scumbags yeah. have sex. I just off to a cartoon. Semen is good for bee stings. Oh my god! I just shat everything out. And it was so terrible that God felt it necessary <laughs> to kill the least <laughs> with leukemia. <laughs> Check us out at thehoboshack.com or popsyndicate.net. Download our app for Android, Apple, and Windows devices and subscribe now on iTunes. It's been a wild ride already. So another uh, another episode of Walking Dead is what we have to cover here. Yay! Another episode. I'm surprised, honestly, at the uh, acclaim the show is getting online from other sources, including PopSyndicate.net. That uh, people are really giving the show a lot of praise, and frankly, I'm kind of surprised because uh, well, this episode was a little better than the last episode than the season premiere, but that's not well. It's the half season premiere. Yeah, half season, yes. Uh, the mid-season premiere. Yeah, there you go. I would say that uh, this episode benefits, and the reason it's better, benefits because we get shorter time with each group of characters. Yeah, that's and definitely better. a shorter time in which to tell their story instead of wandering around finding a bucket of pudding. <laughs> you know, each of them. What are you talking about? That was super awesome. Well, it was it was funny, but, you know, it it was... Well, there's so much time wasted. We're not getting back into the last It doesn't episode, matter. But, yeah, so really, to me, the the only... Not that any of these stories were bad, but they weren't particularly interesting either. No. It was more of what we got last episode, just a little vignettes of the, those stories. And really, the only compelling story in the whole bunch was the very last one with Glenn and uh, Lily, I think her name is. Yeah. Or, yeah, I think it's Lily, uh, whose sister was the one that protested against the governor. Oh, um, see, I thought right before that, I thought the most compelling thing, that was okay, but I thought the most compelling thing right before that is, they, um, what's Glenn's wife's name? Uh, Whatever. Glenn's wife. Yeah. They come Warren up, Cohen was They come upon name. the bus. Yeah. And then they're like letting them Maggie. out one by one. Yeah, Maggie. See, Just try to see if she can find him. And then there's a guy that's got the hair of Glenn yeah. that she stabs and cries really hard. And but here's the dumb thing. You about can't really tell if she just killed him or you know right. or she's happy and crying that she didn't i mean it's just that, well that part was stupid because i mean if you don't pay attention to the details like bob barksdale yeah he's got one hurt arm but sasha baron cohen's sitting there trying to hold the door back by herself and bob barksdale's right there and doesn't lend any assistance to help keep the door closed she's like i can't hold the door no, I'm not and talking. bob barksdale yeah. it just lays around and does nothing and while this flood of zombies comes out. Yeah. And he could have lent an arm's worth of Bob Barksdale's strength to keep the dang thing closed. Total, total plot hole there. And we got I an mean, sure. because of it. Whatever. I didn't really care about that as much, but... 
The show's really starting to get hard to watch. Yeah, the it's just because you need more at this point. And we said this last week, and I hate to rehash it, but we need more. We need yeah. more. And luckily, at the very end, we got a little something more. Some guys yeah. showed up at the end. We don't know. We found out that, that uh, if you follow the railroad tracks, you go to this place called Terminus, That's which is supposedly a safe, a safe haven. haven. So there's that little plot point. And then the other is that these guys showed up at the end, some pseudo-militaristic guys in a Which in a we hunter. randomly get that from a, a random group of people that um, the boxer from The Wire, whose name is Cuddy. Yeah, Cuddy. <laughs> um, happens upon with the two girls, and, and when, we and find out that the baby is alive, yeah. uh, that Rick's baby is alive, because he's got him. So, and, then, um, and he stumbles upon, well, he stumbles upon uh, Hello, what's Carol. her name? Carol. Hello. Carol. Yeah. And she's apparently found some other people to hang out with who are quickly felled by zombies. Were those her, <laughs> Almost those immediately. her people? I didn't think they I think were her so. people. I just got the impression they were with See, her. See, I, I didn't get that impression. I thought, I thought they were just, she was out by herself and oh, randomly maybe. stumbled on the girls. I mean, but, uh, maybe. Because though, though she, well, I don't know. I guess she kind of knew where to go with the, the railroad tracks at first. So maybe she was. I don't know. They didn't really make that clear. Well, the guy, the random guy who's about to die explains that, you know, the railroad tracks right. determinus, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So. But yeah, he doesn't point which direction to go, no, and they doesn't. don't run the sign till later. He doesn't. But uh, yeah, I mean, the only interesting thing there is that uh, you know, Cuddy doesn't know that Hello Carol is the one that killed uh, his wife or yes. girlfriend. And she's kind of shocked to see him at yeah. first, and kind of weirded out that he's excited to see her. So he yeah. obviously doesn't know. Yeah. So. I mean, it's you know the there's it's not that there weren't interesting things because um, Lizzie killing trying to kill the baby essentially by smothering it. Yeah. She's kind of turning out which we knew in the the uh, first half of the season that she was a bit psycho. Yeah. And, uh, well, there was a, there was a switch that definitely tripped with her. Yeah. Like definitely. she was super, super timid and scared. And then right. all of a sudden it was like, if this, yeah. like it, she really took to heart the hello Carol lessons yeah. about, she's you, definitely you protect yourself. Yeah. She's definitely, definitely taking the Merle route in life as opposed to the Daryl route. Sure. Um, so the, there's little interesting tidbits here and there. The first one with Blondie bear and Daryl, you know, it was certainly a story that was on screen, and it was certainly a story that I guess they had to tell because uh, they were characters that were missing from the overall arcing story. It sucked because, and that's where it started, Yeah, with them and her reading like out of a diary yeah. over the text, over the... What she'd written in the prison. Yes, over the context of what's happening in the story, mm-hmm. and that was really stupid. I was really excited, as much as I was not excited to see the show this week... Um, to see Daryl, but then super let down by it. Just yeah. felt like, I mean, they killed some zombies. They wandered a little bit. They started try, trying to track, but yeah. there wasn't really a lot going on. Yeah, there. yeah. I, I don't know. I think uh, I think this episode. Uh, if I had to, if I had to do anything with these first two episodes, I think I would flip them, and I would take Rick and Michonne and Hot Carl's story, compress them into, fold them into the rest of this, and make this the season premiere. Because, like I said last week, I agree. The, if you start giving them a starting place and show where they're all going, it's a little more interesting than, hey, we're all just wandering around. It's so reminiscent right. of the first half of season two when they're looking for uh, Hello Carol's daughter. That uh, A lot of people seem to be okay with that part of the show with the first half of season two. And I found it, and I watched it back to back, and I, found, I can't imagine. If I had watched it week to week, I would have been immensely frustrated, and See, I'm already starting at a frustrated point. That one... Season two, I ha- I would be one of the people that had no problems with it. I didn't have any problem with it at all. I liked what came off of it. Again, I watched it back to back, so I don't know what your deal is. But uh, I didn't have any problem with it then. I definitely have a problem with the pacing 
of the show now. Like, and maybe, just, it's not drawing me in at all. And maybe it's because I'm not watching it back to back. I don't know. Well, maybe it's because uh, also, you know, we've got we got into last week how repetitive the show has become. And that, yeah. this is kind of could repeating the same story again. It could be it. Except there's no lost. I mean, everybody's lost. I mean, I'm really okay with the concept of everybody's split up. Yeah. I just feel like, look, we don't need tons of story from each side on what's happening right, right now. Let's just work on the resolution. Let's mm-hmm. be moving towards something. Yeah. Do you feel like after two episodes of seeing people stranded and getting things that were actually headed somewhere other than Michonne meeting up with, uh, well, I guess you had Cuddy meeting up with Hello Carol. Well, too. I guess we're headed towards Terminus now, but it's now we have to wait for everybody else to discover that we're heading towards yeah, Terminus. Yeah. And so we're going to get, I have a feeling we're going to get a sprinkling of plot development and then a lot of meandering in yeah. the next episode. Maybe. I didn't watch the trailer, so I don't know for sure, but that's, you know, I, I'm I just predicting like, here. I definitely don't like doing that when it's like scenes from next week. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. turn it off. Yeah. So, in conclusion, uh, I don't know. This one, uh, two thumbs sideways, I think. A uh, little bit of advancement, but uh, not great. I'm going to go one down, one sideways. It's just God, it's just subpar. It is. It's not, it's not in any way, shape, or form Dexter and what Dexter turned into, but it's not good anymore. And it's I'm definitely really, treading water. I'm really disappointed. Water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm really disappointed. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, I guess let's get into a little True Detective then. See your soul in the edges of your eyes. There's a shadow on you, son. You know why the story's always the same, 17 years gone? Because it only went down the one way. Didn't he get you every bit of evidence? What do you say? Life is a disease. This is a world where nothing is solved. You tell me right now why you're all over coal. You want to see something? Get a warrant. True Detective, on the next episode of True Detective. So this was really they uh, got a pretty good teaser. They uh, do trailers, pretty it, awesome. HBO usually does. Well, um, it's not like you have to like really work with it on this show. Yeah, really. true. I mean, just cut like four or five random lines, and I'm there. But. True. Uh, yeah, this episode was really. It's it was episode five, and. Really, it was exactly what it should have been, which was a transition episode. Considering that we were we're moving between two decades in the entire story, this episode wrapped up the first decade and moved into the second. It's not a decade. Well, from ni- time, but yeah, from the ninety five to, to two thousand. That's, that's what I mean. Yeah. I think is what it was. So in this episode, uh, we really wrap up the first half of the story with Reggie Ledoux, and we find that uh, which is a little surprising to me. Really was I'll be honest. Yeah, I really kind of thought Reggie Ledoux was the end game here. Not- yeah. Not totally. Like, I felt like there's something else. You know, right. they allude to McConaughey. They do all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But I th- kind of felt like this is the end game for the crime back then. Yeah. And while it was for 95 or 96 or whatever, obviously, mm. they, they're they setting it up to be like they there's thought they caught him, but they didn't right. catch the actual Which they mentioned person. in the first episode. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was surprised how easy uh, Reggie Ledoux was taken out. I was too. Uh, you know, and how quickly the the whole end game went down with him. I, I expected it to be a little more. Stretched I thought it out. was very, very good storytelling because as they're approaching the house, they're they're also you hear them talking, recanting the story of how it happened, and they're like he he came out with something heavy and just mowing down everything. Yeah. Like there's not even anybody any out there. But What's then you happening? figure out that they're but lying then, yeah, for each other. Yeah, they're they've recanted the story they've they've uh, redone the story mm-hmm. to tell the story they want to tell which it was really good it was yeah, really it was. awesome and then we then we find that uh 
Not only that, but it's exactly what we thought it was, that uh, they are targeting Rusty, that they think he's actually perhaps the Yellow King that keeps right. being mentioned, that he's actually the uh, they master planner. They say those words, but, but they, 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 they heavily imply yeah. Yeah. that, isn't it odd that such and such and such, like, totally, because Woody Harrelson kind of busts them at some point about it, like, why are you... Yeah. It's pretty interesting, and then they pretty much tell McConaughey, essentially. Yeah, and he walks out. Yep. And uh, yeah, I was I was very surprised by the episode about. Um, it, I mean, I expected a transition to come at some point. I don't know why I didn't expect it to come this episode. I guess I expected a little bit more, a bigger of an end game for Reggie Ledoux, yeah. and then perhaps the next episode would be the big transition. But no, we got it here. I mean, it was uh, there. You go, wham bam, thank you, ma'am. It was interesting. I I was thrown off a little bit, and that all happens within the first fifteen minutes. Yeah, fifty. Yeah, first because 15, I remember looking. Uh, I remember that happens, and they. They, he's dead, and so is the other guy, and they're kind of headed back with the kids in their arms. And I was like, "How much time is left in this thing?" And yeah, yeah. it was still forty-five minutes left of the show, so it was very interesting. They, you know, the allusion to now that you know we're aware after obviously reading uh, the Yellow King, which if you haven't haven't read about the Yellow King and the inference in within yeah. the show, everything that has to do with it, Google that real quick. There's several articles out there talking about it. If you go to um the Pop Syndicate page on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash Pop Syndicate. There's actually a link on from Facebook that will take you to Perfect. the io9 article about that lays out the entire story of where the Yellow King came from, starting with this guy in 1895, Richard Chambers, who wrote this. It was like a paranoid science fiction, insanity based fiction. Pretty much. And he ends up getting being an influence on all these other writers, George yes. R. R. Martin included from Game of Thrones. Yes. Who uh, mentioned Kirk. Carcosa, which is this mystical city, and if you read this play, then you turn and you become insane and all this other stuff. So the uh, the and how the line, the Yellow King gets keeps getting mentioned in the story and all these other things. And then in this episode, there was a somebody took a screenshot online and uh, posted it about how in one shot where Rustin's driving, there's a the sign of a yellow crown behind him, like for some say it's a car dealership or something like that. But a it's hotel a yellow or, or a hotel or, or restaurant, maybe or a Best Western, sure, uh, maybe. <laughs> but uh, it was a yellow crown behind his head as he's driving away. So that was it's. I kind of contend with Dustin that uh, I agree with him that uh, he's probably not the Yellow King. We don't know who it is. I don't think we've seen it yet. I think the the preacher has a heavy yeah, hand. But to play whether here. or not he's the Yellow King doesn't mean that he's not a strong player sure. in the concept of right. the Yellow King. Uh, I do which think, I think he already. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious he already is. Yeah, I think he's uh, just insane. In some ways, I think insane is probably too strong a word to use. I do think he's got some. Perhaps sociopath. I think it's or, really obvious that he has some issues, but yeah. I don't know that insane is the yeah, right, maybe, maybe right thing to label him. But uh, that's you know neither here nor there. Yeah, it's a lot of interesting stuff in it. Really, so. especially once you get into the mythology of uh, everything behind it. Show is pretty, pretty. Freaking it's amazing great. how well layered it is. It may it does make me as much as I love this. It does make me worried for season two that this guy because it's like it's like a band. I'm with their not song. even worried about that. Yet. Well, you know uh, the reason I say it is because you look at uh, bands they they come out with a great first album and then their sophomore album sucks because they're forced to by the labels to turn around another album within a, within a year and it always sucks almost sure, always. Not but always. there are but plenty of shows. True, and this isn't a band by the way. There are plenty of shows that are good their freshman season and yeah. then sophomore comes around. And it's like yeah. justified, justified. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first season was okay. It yeah. was watchable. And then the second season was the best one they've had so far. So well, and then did you have Breaking Bad? That uh, you know, season good one was good, God. and season two was great. And yes, so they, it's you do benefit unlike a band. You do benefit that you have an entire writers' room. Although I don't know how much of this Nick Pizzolatto yeah, has to really do with, know. and he's writing it by himself, or how much of really a big know. of a writers. We don't know that. 
Um, it is eight episodes versus a yeah. series. Yeah, I'm guessing they'll give him plenty of time to to write it out, and he's probably sure. been stewing probably on been stories for quite a while. But yeah, uh, definitely excited. And some people are already saying that this is a better show than Breaking Bad, and I say that. Uh, let's calm the horses. Well, a I would bit. say that, but I also say you can't compare the two because this is more like a maxi series, like uh, North and South or Roots or something like that. And I think you have to take you Lonesome can't, Dove. Lonesome Dove, yeah, it's another one. Like you can't. Breaking Bad had the advantage of five seasons. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't do that. And uh, they're just two two separate things. Two, they're two and they always will be because even if they do continue with more seasons, they're going to be completely separate yeah. from each other. So right. it doesn't really even you can't even say that like the series is better because that we won't know. Yeah, for for quite a while. But uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. True Detective is awesome, but I don't think you can compare it to Breaking Bad because it's two. It's apples and oranges. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So so you want to get into a little rage flipping of the table? Yeah, I guess we can do that. So, uh, last season, we didn't cover House of Cards. Uh, hey. We covered the first episode. Yeah, when did it come out? When did the first uh, season come out? I was trying to think maybe the break Some, room wasn't around. Or no, it was. Break room, thumbs we, we covered the first episode. Oh, okay, yeah, we did do that. But we didn't cover the entire season. Um, but oh, we still need to uh, cover the first episode of Orange is the New Black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we still need to do that as well. Um, but we decided we're going to cover House of Cards week to week. And uh, although, all, obviously, all the episodes are already out, and you can watch them all this weekend if you'd like. Um, you can. But we're going to take this week to week, one episode a week, and we'll break each one down, and we'll rage flip the table with uh, each episode. I doubt it's going to be involved every episode unless they continue to bring back a certain someone and yeah. kill her again. And, uh, you know, uh, forewarned here. Spoiler Spoilers. alert. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. If, if you haven't caught on to that by now yeah. in this segment. Um, so, season premiere, we've come off the quote-unquote suicide, a.k.a. murder, of uh, Russo in the very yeah. last episode. Um, Which, I'll just tell you right now, I thought at the end of that season that I really missed that character already, and after this first episode of season two... I really miss that character. I feel like he added he was a, a bit lot of a, to the show. I agree. Because he was a bit of a common man. Yes. He was the common man that was getting in and over his head. Yes. And who was super easily manipulated. Right. Super easily. He was just easy to buy into and, and like, despite, you know, he had obviously an alcoholic problem. But, and, I mean, he, he yeah. like, he was just super easy to buy and, into. Plus, I like the actor. I thought he was yeah, really, he was really good. good on the show. Well, here's the problem I have. Um, I was okay with, not okay. I liked Russo. I was mad that he died or was murdered. But it didn't end the show. It didn't, like, it didn't, like, kill you. No. You weren't like, no. I can't watch but, this anymore. But here's what's annoying. I still like House of Cards a lot because um, it's, st- it's still a really well-done show. But we had two common people in the show. We had Russo and we had Kate Mara's There's character. more, but they're the mains. The, but that's what I'm saying. There's the, other people. There's they the were, people Kate Mara was they working were, with. They were the, the foils. They were the common Correct. man main character foils. But the main characters that were, like, human beings. Right. And they were two people that could have taken Frank down, and we dispensed with one. You know what? Even if they don't take him down, at least they're involved from the beginning, and it's like yeah. they're always in the background. They're always they're a threat. Trying. There's always something that right. could bring him down in a way or in right. some way or another. Or he's got to worry about one way yes. or the other. He, and now with this episode, we got rid of Russo in the last one. We got rid of Kate Mara in this one by throwing in front of a train, which was so predictable. You and saw now, it coming a mile away as soon as she yeah. met him down there, and then I mean, and then he's like. Clear your messages. Yeah. Delete my contact. And it was like, no, and I was, 
Okay, for anybody who's never heard me say this before, I absolutely feel like Kate Mara is the most attractive woman on the face of the planet. That aside, I liked her character. I liked who she was in the show. Yeah. As, and I just, I was so, I, I, I was so mad. It took me a couple of minutes of continuing to watch a show. It took her, I guess, boyfriend or whatever at this point. Yeah. Like, getting all upset. And I was still like, no, 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 no. This didn't, they didn't really kill her. And, and it's just like, he's always been set up as this just pure evil person who will do anything. Yeah. In this episode, I can't remember if it was really. I think he was trying for it last season, but yeah, yeah, he offered him that. He told him he was going to select him as VP in the last ep, in the last season. Yeah, well, they, at the end of it, yeah, they basically said they had Gerald McRaney's character saying that he was vetting him for vice yes. presidency. So they decide that they in this episode, you, you you know, you find out he's going to give it to him. It's a matter of days. He makes lots of, you know, well, not lots, but a couple of jokes about you know. These are my last couple of days as a free man before right. I get voted in. There's always the possibility that, and obviously I'm showing that I haven't watched past the first episode yet, that the confirmation doesn't let him get in or something. Yeah. I mean, they could deny him. True. But I was just so furious. I, I, was, I, was, I was so mad. I was, uh, my, my personal like of wanting to see her in the show aside, yeah. I was just so mad. I felt like, and I told my brother this, uh, do you remember when we talked about Star Trek and why he didn't like it? Mm. No, re- refresh my memory. He talked about the Admiral, who I can't refer as anybody else as, Peter old Waller. Robocop. Yeah, Admiral Robocop. Um, as the thing that's the most ridiculous is that you just make someone completely pure evil. Right. Like, there's no... It's just very unhumanizing. Well, we like, don't, you don't yeah. see the, the flaws. Yeah. You don't see that... He's really got something in there mm. somewhere. And uh, granted, they built him this whole time as right. someone who's pretty evil. But, like, why do we have to take these steps? Yeah. Like, and the, maybe- the quote-unquote, you, you know, it could be called several things, but the the intentional leaving the guy in the car is a little bit different than pushing her into the train. Right. Like, that's completely different. And what I don't like about it is that it... Uh you said this off the air that it makes it more into a soap opera. It's so and soap opera. See, I'm okay with a, a soap opera type show. I'm totally okay with that. But what I don't like is when you set up a character to have impenetrable armor. Yeah. Which you know Frank is always two steps ahead of everybody mentally, and he ha- now he has no he has foils, but he ha- doesn't have anyone other than his wife that knows the Here's inside the other secrets. Thing. Here's the other thing. For, well, there's two things. One. He's about to be announced as the next VP in the next right. couple of days, and he's murdering someone. Yeah, which is dumb. Two, so we're supposed to believe this guy is so smart and so able to stay in front of everybody that he has to lower himself to murder every time he wants to get rid of somebody? That's the yeah. smartest thing we can do. This is how this guy outbrains everybody? Yeah. Like, that's... It's cheap. Whereas it's his wife, just cheap. Whereas Claire, on the other hand, who I actually love what they did with the f- that one chick... And so, yeah, I mean, she actually went about it the not the right, quote unquote, right way, but she did it smartly, and she went through blackmail. She did through uh, which that's the, how they built him up this whole yeah. time until until the murder of Stahl, whatever right. his name is in the show, I forget. Uh, like he is that smart and blackmail people, but no, mm-hmm. well, you know what? When that runs out, we'll just start killing people. Like, yeah, it just it was annoying. It's annoying because I don't know, and I don't know why this happened. I don't know if it was because Kate Mara is has other projects in the works or they actually well, thought this was necessary. No, uh, from what I read and of course shocking, I started reading all about like googling yeah. and reading. She knew it was coming from the very beginning. She knew right. she would not be around for very long. Um 
this apparently, I'm going to admit something here. I didn't even know there was a British version of this show. Uh, this apparently was very true to the British version, like they offed this character as well. But I mean, I don't give a crap about any of that. <laughs> like, I just don't care. Well, it's like it's like the American version of The Office. You don't have to follow the same pattern. No, right. And you should. Uh, well, honestly, what they should have done was say, "Hey, you know, yeah, they did this in the original, but we have a chance to correct course and sure. make it a little bit better." Well, and I haven't seen the original, so I don't know if yeah, they did sure. it more believably or if it was better. But, but she, just, you know, they could have just cheapens the show. And they still could have so killed. Much. They still could have killed her eventually. Sure. Um. And either have... Not with him pushing her into yeah. a train. Well, it should have been Doug Stamper that did it, first of all. Yeah. Uh, or um, his... Meacham. His, Although he's uh, actually not done anything, like, really, like... Not, yeah. Like that. Right. Like, he's, uh, he's keeping that one prostitute out of the spotlight, getting her away from people who I think he he's in, to. I think he's in love with. I think he kind of is into her, too. I, don't, I think he's in love with her, and he's it's not... possible. He's not really... He's keeping her to himself it's possible i think he's a little bit demented but i mean uh, but yeah it's like they they write claire so smartly especially in this first episode like she goes from being a, a kitten to a, a lion lioness in this episode yeah. not a not a kitten she That's wasn't a kitten right. before but i mean she like comes full claws out and like really you know asserts herself or asserts herself as a smarter version of frank yeah i mean Obviously, through this episode, you see her do exactly what I'm saying. Why the f- yeah. why isn't he doing that? Like, there's you know, just absolutely no reason. It, for- was, it was stupid. I still like the show, and I'm I'm interested to see what else they do with the rest of the season. But I don't like the fact that they're setting him out to be this Doctor Evil of like a like a real Doctor Evil. Like he's so much smarter and has no chinks in his armor, and that nobody can bring him down. And then. When somebody might be able to bring him down, he just offs him, and yeah. there's no real. Yeah, I want worry somebody. About what I really want is I want Gerald McRaney's character, who was set up to to seemingly be someone of equal or perhaps greater power than Frank Underwood, that could take him down. Sure. At least in this episode, was left out. So I'm hoping maybe they'll bring somebody like him back. And I don't think the new House Whip, um, I forget her name, who was on Deadwood. Yeah. Um, I don't think she's going to be that character. Maybe. Maybe she. She had kind of a balls out moment in this uh, episode, yeah. just getting real, you know, for lack of a better term, ballsy. So yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It should be interesting. Should be. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I guess we'll wrap up another episode. I don't know. I mean, I think I'm going to be super jaded the rest of the show, regardless. But well, we'll see. you got the two ends of the spectrum. You got to see her, her bottom, and you got to see her uh, up tops. See, I, yeah. Did you? Uh, freeze it and reevaluate that scene no i did it i was so angry dude i i said to somebody this morning i need to go back and rewatch true detective because i watched it after (laughs) that and i was so i couldn't stop thinking about it i'm surprised i kept anything what you need to do is take that scene from true detective and then the still frame from this and just loop them until completion (laughs) until you finish and then you can replay it the next week okay anyway all right well that's another episode of the thumbs of fury hope you enjoyed episode 19 thanks to uh, f13 for uh Bring us to Rotten Tomatoes game show and uh, talking with us about RoboCop. Hope you enjoyed all that. Uh, next week, we will actually be talking about a classic. We're going to kind of break open the A5 one, uh, top 100 films. We're going to evaluate these every, every now and again. We're going to start with Casablanca. Casablanca. A movie that none of us have ever seen. Nope. At least Thomas and I. Uh, Dustin's seen pieces of it, but I've never seen any of it other than the uh, you know iconic scenes here or there. Uh, so we'll t- be taking on that, plus uh, we'll have... Uh, House of Cards, Walking Dead, True Detective, and Justified. So we'll have a lot to cover next week as well. Yep. And uh, that's about it. Uh, find us on uh, Twitter, Twitter at twitter.com slash thebreakroom. <laughs> sorry. Facebook.com slash breakroom show. Or sorry, yes. And uh, popsyndicate.net slash popsyndicate. Wait. 
Facebook.com slash Pop Syndicate, sorry. Uh, you can find everything related to this show at popsyndicate.net uh, or thumbsoffury.com. Uh, don't forget to call us, 469-665-9827. I'm on uh, Twitter at the mark with a C. At Naveed Central is Thomas. And uh, if you really care about Dustin, he's uh, at the WS9775. Hopefully his procedures go well. And he'll be back to us uh, with a bit of a sore... We'll see. A sore uh, front bottom. Should be interesting. In the next episode. Yeah. Other than that, we'll see you guys on episode 201 of The Break Room coming out Friday. I'll go out. Gasoline. High five.